listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ted Shuttlesworth back with you again on the podcast today, and this is going to be great. Uh, Recently, Carolyn and I did a question and answer session on Facebook Live and YouTube Live, and I realized that you guys all can't tune into those at 1030 in the morning every Monday through Friday, and many of you would love to re-listen to them, but sometimes it's kind of a pain to scroll back through Facebook or YouTube, try to find the proper video or whatever, especially if it's been months and you want to go back and watch all the videos. So I'm going to put some videos um, up on the podcast as audio so that you guys can just at your leisure go back and listen to it. Anyway, let's jump in. This is the question and answer session that Carolyn and I did. Um, on Friday the 13th in September of 2019. Love you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. Taya wants to know, how do you get young people to be engaged with the things of God as a youth leader? Perfect question. That's a great question, Taya. And, and I'll tell you, I would say one of the very best things you can do, I would say two things. As If you're a youth leader, if you're the youth pastor, um, as a youth leader, the very best thing you can do is do it by example is to you be engaged, you be extremely engaged, um, and don't be a nut, you know? It's like, don't be an insane person, but but like, be truly engaged. When you're in services, be worshiping, be praising, you know what I mean? Don't, you know, be, in, be engaged in the things of God. Let them see you engaged, Let, and, then, and then help to create uh, you know, with the other youth leaders and Danny, uh, Danny's also a youth pastor too, and has done that for years, could give good, good answers too. Is And that's, <laughs> and one of the things I would say is create a culture that, and I say Danny, because Danny has done such a great job. One of the things, um, be just being with his, with his youth group and his church and, and being at the conference, one of the things they've done a phenomenal job at, and all of their, I would say all of their people are is truly engaged in the anointing. Yeah. But before you can be truly engaged in the anointing, you've got to build a culture that values the anointing and reverences the anointing. And I think that they've done that, uh, a phenomenal job of that. Um, and in fact, everywhere I've been, um, for for the churches that are connected in some way or another to Apostle Maldonado, uh, that's been there. That culture of reverencing the anointing uh, reverencing the presence of God and desiring the presence of God. Some of the most engaging times of praise, worship, uh, people receiving the word, and that has to be a key. You've got to reverence. If you go in, if you go into churches, you've seen this. If you go into churches where there's a real light feeling on everything, like there's no reverence, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. When I let me just give you an example. When I was growing up, there were little things that were done. To, to, and those of you that grew up in church, you could probably attest to this too. There were little things that were done that taught us as children that the house of God is holy. You know, we didn't, you're not allowed to run in the sanctuary. Was that something for you? You didn't oh, run. Yeah. You're not allowed to run around the sanctuary. I mean, unless you're running around the church during a Holy Ghost service or something. As a kid, you didn't just run around like it was a playground. You know, that that's that was a no-no. Um, I was never allowed to wear a hat in church, you yeah. know, 
or anything like that. I remember one of the worst spankings that I ever got in my entire life is for some reason I was at church with my Royal Rangers group, shout out to Nathan Miller, um, with my Royal Rangers, which if you don't know what that is, it's like a Christian Boy Scouts run by the Assemblies of God. But for some reason I was I was with my, my Royal Ranger troop and um, I got angry and for some reason spit on the ground. I spit on the ground in church. And when my commander told my dad, your son spit on the floor of the church, I'm telling you, I got a spanking that I'm still feeling at 37 years old in 2019. We were taught that you reverence the house of God. You respect the house of God. You don't go as a kid jumping off the platform. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, I wasn't it's, even allowed, unless it was like churches in the jungle multiple gym. like revival services on Sunday morning. I wasn't allowed. You know, as a kid, you're sleepy in the morning service. Right. My my church started at 8.30 when I was little. But, mm -hmm. I mean, anytime, like, I looked like I was falling asleep or leaning on my mom, like, when when the pastor was coming this way, you know, speaking or something, mm -hmm. or coming down the aisle preaching, yep. she was like, get up. Oh, yeah. Get up and listen. Oh, yeah. And so, like, Absolutely. I wasn't even allowed to, like, sleep on a Sunday morning. I oh, had to. <laughs> trust me. I know where you're coming from. So, we love Celeste and Dave Rogers, too. They're watching. I love you, Celeste and Dave, very much. Um, so that, I believe my family and I have seen progress. Praise the Lord. I've been healed supernaturally in my family, but I want to walk in that all the time. And I would say that the, the only process, because I don't want this to kind of get misunderstood, um, but I would say the process is not God gradually wanting to take you there or anything like that. It's more of working your faith process. It's a more uh, building your revelation knowledge process so that, you know, do you remember when um, it clicked for you? You, you had like, it, it just something snapped inside your mind. You were like, you know what? No, this is not our story. Yeah. And this will not be for my children. Exactly. And that's what it is. It has to click. It's like you get that revelation and you feel that like jolt in your spirit, man, when you get that. And then you start realizing that you get tough at the small things. You start working it. You don't wait for big things to manifest or you don't wait for something big where you need to start praying and calling in, you know, the church prayer group. It's a cold. Now at a point where a cold or just my kids you know, feeling a little bit of pain from something offends my faith and we nip it in the bud there and so it can never grow into anything bigger. Don't wait until it's cancer to cast it out. Cast out colds. You see what I'm saying? Cast out little fevers. That's what you did is you got started to get really annoyed over fevers because that's the first real attack that came against our yeah, children. Yeah, and, and, and it seems like, you know, with kids, they tend to get it a little bit more. Their immune system isn't as strong as us and they're in different places where their school or kids bad. You know, everyone wanted me to take her in and it's not that I was trying to risk her and play around with her life, but I also realized that I had to get this revelation and and we don't have plan B here. You know what I mean? Like right. we do because it's America right. and we're so blessed here that it's easy to go to a Walgreens because they put pharmacies on every corner for us <laughs> to go to. But then I started thinking like these people in these other countries that it's like, Lord, Life I need death. a miracle when my kid has a fever or it's gonna get worse and they could die. Absolutely. And so I just got to the point where I read where 
Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever and Jesus reached out and just grabbed her hand and then she was made immediately well and for something for me and just like you know I've read these verses so many times there's times where we read verses our whole life but you don't stop reading them because you press in and you get it and then it clicks that one time and so that one time Maddie had 104 and I read it and it clicked and it's like nope this is her portion too. Mm -hmm. If it if it's here, and it's also going to be here in the now. And so ever since then, and then honestly, I can say, honestly, I can say, that's the last time Maddie's had a fever, mm -hmm. and that was Brooklyn was a baby. So I mean, that's like what six six years ago. Yeah, that was the last time Maddie has been sick. Yep. And and then my kids are trained that way, and because they've seen us operate that way, the first signs of a tummy ache, a headache, or anything, mm -hmm. they always say, will you just pray for me? Will you lay That's hands true. on me? And you know, it, the the interesting thing too is when that revelation clicks and hits, it puts you in a place of command in the spirit. Yeah. I remember hearing Bishop David Oyedepo talking about when he got a hold of Gloria Copeland's book, um, Prosperity is God's Will for You or Your Life. Um, he read that and I think, or what happened? He got a revelation from a teaching on God's word that took his spirit to a place of understanding that poverty can never be my story in Jesus name. And the same is true with health. I can never be sick. I declare it. You know, that's something we declare. I, you know, cancer cells can never touch my body in Jesus name. All these things, we begin to declare it. I can never be sick in the mighty name of Jesus. And yep. that's the key. Yeah, you just keep pressing in. If that's a topic that you're really trying to understand, like don't give up on that topic. Really read and get that revelation. Did you see Christy, she said after your last live about when the kids should sit in service, she had her six-year-old daughter sit on the second row at the river and she did great and she said thanks for the tip. That's awesome, yeah. Martha, I they agree with you. It. We agree with you for sure. We need to consider the house of God holy. It's not just another place, it's not a jungle gym. It's the house of the living God. Lawenda wants to know what keto diet do you follow? It's just, Carolyn does just the keto diet. Um, a great book to get, Lawenda, there's a couple. One, one is by Dr. Don Colbert. Yep. His book is called The Keto Zone. And then there was a really inexpensive one yeah, on Amazon. That's the one that I, I recommend to people too. It's called, uh, I think it's called The Ketogenic Diet for Beginners. Yeah. Is what it's called, The Ketogenic Diet for Beginners. It really will help you. It, it really, I don't I don't use supplements. I just eat that way of the lifestyle. We did a little bit. We we got some of those instant ketones, the powder. Yes, you did, but I wasn't allowed to touch them. Well, <laughs> that just helps you get into ketosis faster if you're doing Yeah, that. it's just a, a ketone powder that you just put in your coffee and it's like cream. Charlie and Angie said that the neighbors are annoyed that we're Christians and said keep the religion away, warned us that warned us parties are coming. <laughs> How to keep the peace without being overwhelmed. You know what? You don't. You don't have to. You make don't it have a to be war. responsible for them. I mean, you know what I mean. Like you, the Bible says Jesus told his disciples, if you go to a place and you preach the gospel to them and they don't receive you, he didn't say just stay there for ten years and bang your head against a brick wall. He said shake the dust off your feet and go somewhere else. So if they won't receive the word of God and the whatever, it doesn't mean you stop praying for them, whatever. But don't don't mess with them anymore. Let them do their thing. Yeah. And just if they break be, the law, be call nice. The cops. Be nice. I mean, be a good witness, but you don't have to, like, go at them with Christianity. I mean, we got plenty of neighbors that are unsaved, and they yeah. know what we do. Right. But I'll never 
I'll never not be who I am. I'll never not be nice. I'll never not be generous because the word of God says we are to be with our neighbors. And then, you know, that kind of stuff softens them. Absolutely. Don't come at them. Okay, so for some reason, YouTube freaked out right here and stopped streaming. I don't know. But we lost a portion of the um, Q&A. Not much, but the beginning of this question, which was, how do you and Carolyn feel about uh, having your children vaccinated? So as we jump back in, Carolyn's already answering the question about vaccinations. I, uh, when Maddie was first born, she got a few of them. And then when Brooklyn was born, it changed for me. And honestly, I don't tell anybody what to do when it comes to vaccinations because that's something, you know, just like when it comes to medication for people. It has to be something that is, they're led by the Lord on that, by the Holy Spirit. For vaccinations, we don't do. And I never read anything mm -hmm. about it. I never learned about it. I don't I don't know anything about vaccinations as far as what the world is, you know, has out there. I just know that when Brooklyn was a baby and it came time to start them, I had a check in my spirit. I asked Ted for an answer and he said, I'm not giving you an answer. You need to get it from the Holy Spirit and then you go with it. Yeah. So I clearly remember nursing Brooklyn as a as an infant because you start, you know, when they're born and I said, "Lord, all right, you're telling me not to do this and I'm going to go with it, but I ask you to help me when I make this decision because people in this world are not going to like what I made that you keep me strong and grounded in my decision." Mm -hmm. And I've had people come at me and, you know, whatever but I've, I've like i'm so numb to it that i gone to the place where it's like i only have one person to obey and that's all that matters and i'm not gonna go up and down in my decision so no our kids are not vaccinated and you know you have to go with with what your feeling feeling is on it yeah you have you have to be led by the spirit for yourself you know we don't tell people to not do it or to do it we know people that do it you know and we know people that don't do it yeah, and, you and just I have don't have anything to say to anyone who does or doesn't, except this is a decision that our family made right. and that our family's sticking with. And all I can answer you is that's what I was told to do, being spirit led, and that's what I'm sticking with. So, right, exactly true. And they said they've been getting heat for it, but they felt why inject our child with something she's already been delivered from. Well, and then that's, if that's how you feel, then then go with it. I mean, that's all I can say is, you know, I'll never tell anybody, just like medication. You got to get that revelation of living in divine health, and then you got to go and take those steps of faith to, to go forward with it. And that's the same with vaccinations. You know, I know wonderful, godly men and women mm -hmm. who vaccinate their kids, and yeah. I don't think their faith right. is We're at a level. We're not vilifying those I don't. I don't. I honestly don't think that. That's something that they've had to make a decision, or I know some states require it in order to go to school, and their kids have to go to school, and so that's something that they have to do. And so... You know, you, you just have to make your own stance. But when you do make a decision, make that decision and stick with it. And mm -hmm. who cares? That's, it's like it's like when people tell me when, when our kids had to be potty trained. It's like they constantly were telling me. It's like, but you're not living with me. Right. You're not teaching them. So you don't have to have a say in it. Exactly. I'm the one that has to deal with it on a daily basis. Exactly. I'm the one that has to teach and I'm the one that's going to start. So same with vaccinations. If you make a decision not to do it, just stick with it. And people can say everything they want, but they're not in your family. They're not making your decisions. They don't know about your life. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, when it comes to... I, I just want to say to Bonnie, because she says, hasn't seen the magazine. Um, if you go to, if you haven't gone yet, Bonnie, to miracleword.com forward slash live and signed up there, if you have, please send an email to Jenna at miracleword.com. She'll help you out. But also, if you signed up at a meeting, we're not going to mail it to you after that meeting because it's at the table. So you, anyone who signs up at a meeting at the table is going to get the next, the next edition. One, which so, is about to happen. So when you're at Peckville, you would have grabbed one off the table. That was the current one. Yeah. And so now you're on the list to be mailed for the fall edition. Which is about to come out in yeah. a few weeks. So. Um, and then if you don't get one for fall, then make sure to let us know and we'll get that out to you. Christy we'll said, out to you. when it comes to kids coloring and service, especially revival services, I've been pretty straightforward with my youngest who's eight. She pays attention because I believe they can learn a new game on a computer, master a sport, then they should be able to pay attention during a three-hour service. Agree. However, others, children children may have iPads, et cetera, at times. Uh, I've come to sit by my child with it and they start playing on it. It's a bit of an awkward position. Any advice? Well, Carolyn says... Is it saying when no, kids no, come No, no, Car no. Carolyn says, I don't care what other parents' kids may do. This She tells our kids this all the time. I don't care what other kids... And mommies and daddies let their kids do. They're not my children. You're my child. And and our kids kind of know. Like if it either you know their friends have one, they'll they'll kind of just say it. Or I'm just gonna let you know that if your kid is sitting with me and my children, <laughs> and they have an iPad, I will politely let them know that we don't do that sitting here. They're more than welcome to go back to their parents to to do it but it's something that we don't do in church and so just remember at the end of the day of your kids you are the parent mm -hmm. you make the final decision and that that's what it is and you can do it without making your kids feel embarrassed or right. you know what I mean or like they are left out of everything but you know I just I had made a decision nine years ago that church was going to look different than all the places we travel because Absolutely. they get iPads, they get stuff in restaurants because we're constantly on the go. We're in, you know, in the car for 12 hours, on an airplane for three hours. So they get those devices, but they know when they go to church that it's different. And you know, my nine-year-old, she brings a journal and a and a pen and she's not always taking notes she's listening because she'll come back and say or hear something so I know she's listening but you know they are still nine and they're still eight and six and seven and so a notebook and a pen and some colored pencils it is gonna be okay their their spirit man's getting it but as far as a device I I'm not for it yeah absolutely I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. I was never allowed to do, uh, I mean, you know, I couldn't do that, like sit in the back with headphones on and, you know, it's like I, I was never allowed. And I, I started going to church at two weeks old and have not stopped since that point. So I always brought, know. if it could fit in my purse, I, I would grab the notebooks from the hotels and like a hotel pen, you know what I mean? I didn't come with, with a full backpack of things for my kids to Shonda do. has an interesting question. Is it okay for me to go to Bible school even if my husband doesn't want to, but he's supportive of me going? I would say yes, it's okay uh, as the husband, your husband's fine with it. Would you guys be it. separated? Yeah, that would be kind of awkward if you had to leave the state and go to college away from him for two or four years or whatever it would be. I would hope that it would be you both moving there or doing whatever. Yeah. Uh, but don't forget there's also online options and, and things like that. But I wouldn't do anything that separates 
Yeah, you guys need to be of one. You're already one in a marriage. You need to be of one mind and of one heart and make one decision. Because all of a sudden, you wouldn't be married and God's calling you guys to do separate things. He's given you now a desire to go to Bible college and your husband's going to stay here. So, you know, you need to make sure that it is a God decision that you're making. Hannah's got a great question. How do you balance marriage, kids, and work? Do you feel overwhelmed ever with it all? I know so many people struggle to balance and make time for each other. <laughs> and, and, and that's I something you have to I think we've all do. felt overwhelmed. Sure. But then you have to realize what parts are important. You know, I used to feel like I want my house to look like Pottery Barn every day. Right. But then at the end of the day, it's like, do I want my kids later in life remembering that mom is a super clean freak or always had a vacuum in her hand or always had to clean? Or did she actually sit down and take the time for me? You made a great point on that in an article you wrote one time. It's like, you know what? I would rather let my house go dirty for a while. Not, and our house is never filthy. I'm, I don't mean that, but like, everything's not. She would rather let not every single thing be picked up rather than not spend time with the kids or, or be able to be with them. Yeah, because at the end of the day, that matters. And then, you know, time with your husband matters, even though. We are on the road a lot and the schedule is different. We always have a road schedule and we have a home schedule. And from day one of having kids, I made a point to do that. So like when we're on the road, they're up late till whenever we go to bed. But at home, we make a point that they go to bed at a certain time because we're going to have time together. We're going to, you know, hang out, watch a movie or whatever. So you know, it's all learning once you get in the mix of having a family and a kids and a husband, what works and doesn't work and what, you know, you need to learn to let go a little bit, ease up on. Sure. Absolutely true. AJ said, my GI Joes had to go up five minutes until service. Put those GI Joes away. Church is starting. Uh, we love you too, Luenda. Um, I received that. I believe it, Charles. I'll be old and preaching. If Jesus tarries, I'll be an old, Thanks, old ben. preaching man. Thank love you, Ben, you so for saying we love you. Um, Robin's got a question here. Hey, Hannah, we love you. We're going to schedule a time to pray for you, Hannah. We love you. I know many Christians are not believing in the rapture anymore. And it is a teaching that my previous church teaches. The church that I raised all six of my children in and now are adults and moved on. But my husband and daughter are there. Is it best to ignore it since it doesn't matter in the end, since they will be taken up with the rest of us? Can you come up with a short teaching on this so I can share? Um, I don't know, to be honest with you, Robin, I don't have the statistics in front of me about how many believers in America or around the world do or don't believe in a rapture. I would, I would hope that the majority of Pentecostal and charismatic believers would believe in the rapture of the church. I know that there are so, um, there are some that are coming out now. I know Dr. Michael Brown and Dr. Craig Keener just released a book where they took the position that they don't believe in a rapture of the church, only the second coming of Christ, um, which I don't agree with. And I do respect both of those men highly. And I, and I want to state that publicly. I respect Dr. Craig Keener and Dr. Michael Brown highly. They're very, very intelligent and anointed men. Uh, I just don't agree with their stance on this Bible prophecy issue. Um, I believe that the Bible clearly teaches a rapture of the church before the tribulation takes place. Um, Robin, I would highly suggest that you pick up the book by um, Dr. Mark Hitchcock. And it's a book, two that I would recommend to you. 
his his exhaustive book on it is called The End. That's just the name of the book, The End. You can get it on Amazon. You can get the ebook version. It's called The End by Dr. Mark Hitchcock. He is a Baptist pastor, but he's also a professor um, uh, at D Dallas Theological Seminary. But he is a phenomenal teacher on end times pro Bible prophecy. Um, and his stance on the rapture and the reasons why he believes in a pre-tribulation rapture are so phenomenal. Um, I would say it's one of the best books I've ever read on Bible prophecy, The End by Dr. Mark Hitchcock. Uh, and then he put out another one that's a little bit easier to ingest and more of a reference guide. And that book is called 101 Answers to the Most Frequently Asked Questions Regarding Bible Prophecy. Uh, yeah, and my Uncle Tiff, phenomenal teaching on Bible prophecy. He's been teaching it for 40 plus years, has such an understanding of Bible prophecy, and it's excellent anytime he teaches on it. Uh, if you don't follow his Facebook page or listen to his Facebook Lives, you should follow him, Lost Lamb, Tiff Shuttlesworth. You need to follow that Facebook page and watch those when he, when he goes live. But Robin, I would say that, um, you know, one of the things that I do love about um, Dr. Hitchcock, he gives seven Bible reasons why he believes in a pre-tribulation rapture, and they are so compelling and convincing. Um, I would I would highly su suggest that you grab that book, Robin. Uh, both of those books, uh, they'll change your life, but it'll help you to answer a lot of those questions. Bible prophecy is a deep subject, and people, there's a lot of different ways that you can uh, interpret things and there are a lot of people that do that we don't vilify people for example this is like with dr hitchcock and dr brown or excuse me dr uh, keener and dr brown that put out this book not afraid of the antichrist is the name of the uh, book uh i don't vilify them because they first of all they're both of them are so much more intelligent than i am so much more intelligent both of them uh doctors in theology i mean extremely intelligent Dr. Keener wrote, uh, Dr. Craig Keener wrote a, uh, uh, a commentary on the book of Acts that's like 7,000 pages. I mean, he's, he's a very, very, they're both very intelligent. I don't vilify them or throw them under the bus or stop listening to anything they say because they take a different stance than I do on the rapture. I understand that there are, you know, there's more than three positions on the rapture, by the way. Uh, but I, I just, I, I, I believe what I believe, but I still love and respect both of those men. And there's going to be a lot of different people that are not going to believe what you believe regarding the rapture or end times Bible prophecy, but they're still your brothers and sisters in Christ. And as you said, Robin, one of the greatest things to understand is, um, you know, uh, at the at the end of time, whatever is true will be true. You know, if, if, if the rapture is going to take place before the tribulation, as I believe, Every believer is leaving the earth before the tribulation. If, as some believe, the mid-tribulation perspective is true, that three and a half years into the tribulation will be caught up, then that's what's going to happen and will be gone. You know, so it, what you believe is not going to change what's going to happen. However, I do believe that because Paul referenced it as our hope, our blessed hope, and he said, encourage one another with these words, speaking about his teaching on the rapture. Uh, it's not much of an encouragement to know I'm getting ready to go through seven years of tribulation and the wrath of God's going to hit me. That's not encouraging. 
And, and not to mention Jesus already took the wrath of God on our behalf and we received his sacrifice by faith. So uh, it's an encouragement to know that we're not going to be under the wrath of God, but we're leaving. And so I would, I would get those books and then I would, I would get some of those things and, and, I, would, uh, and I, would, I would put that in your spirit. It'll help you, just like Peter encouraged us to do, to always be able to give an answer for the faith that we have. Uh, Ashrick. I can't even pronounce your last name. I apologize. Wait, hold on. Chad first. Oh, sorry. Besides what the Bible, what book do you think affected, your life, most? Do you think affected your life most? Probably The Hobbit. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Chad, let me come back to that question because it's a phenomenal question. It's a very phenomenal question, and I need to give it some thought because that's a great, great question. Ashrick asks, My friend just joined me watching this live video, and she asked me, when God, when God is born, how God started to exist, could you please answer this? It's a great question, Ashrick, and welcome to your friend that joined you as well. Um, God is eternal, and the Bible teaches that he had no beginning, that he had no end. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, John chapter 1, the Word was with God, the Word was God. God has no beginning, God has no end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's already still at the beginning. He's at the end. He's eternal. God was not created. God did not have an origin point. He did not start. I know it's hard for human minds to comprehend because we are finite and everything that we understand and know in reality is finite. Everything we think and know had a beginning and had an end. So it's hard to comprehend a being who had no beginning and who had no end. Yeah. But God's eternal. He's eternal. He doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. So he was not born. Right. Uh, if you're referring to Jesus Christ, you're just, we could talk about him being born in the flesh as a man, but Christ existed with God from the beginning, according to John chapter one. Christ did not have his beginning or his origin when he was born as, as a human being. He had already existed since the beginning of time. It's just that he came to bring a sacrifice for our sins and to atone for our sins. And that's when he began as a human man. But he was eternal as a spirit before he ever became a human man. So excellent question, but God is eternal. He has no beginning and he will have no end. Um, Britt says, this is kind of a sensitive subject, not trying to judge anyone, but would be very interested in what your thoughts are on what people who commit suicide will spend eternity. I've answered this before. And I'll answer it uh, the same way now. Uh, number one, suicide is not the unpardonable sin. That's the first thing you need to understand. Suicide is not the unpardonable sin. And unless you believe that every time a Christian commits a sin, they lose their salvation until they repent, which I do not believe by any means, then you would have to believe that those who are saved, here's the problem. You can't be saved and possessed by a demon spirit, but you can be saved and oppressed by a demon spirit or even depressed by a demon spirit. You have to take authority over those things um, and you have to exercise your dominion and authority. Uh, and so as a result of that, you can be saved and on your way to heaven and still be under the oppression of the devil in the same way that Christians can be sick Christians can have their minds attacked, and many do. And you have to understand that one of the things that I always make a point to talk about is what we call survival instinct. 
Because this, this allows you to know people are not in their right mind when they commit suicide. Because if you look at just any study that's been done on survival instinct, people will do anything they have to do to survive. They will go crazy to survive. Makes me think of that movie, 127 Hours, if you've ever seen that. It's a true story. The man that was hiking out into the wilderness fell down through a ravine, and when he landed, a boulder fell with him. When he landed at the bottom, the boulder, where the ravine came to become more skinny at the bottom, the boulder wedged into the ravine, and his arm was caught between the wall and the rock. And he knew he was so far out in the wilderness, no one would ever find him. Nobody would be passing by. And after 127 hours, had to make the decision to take out his dull penknife, cut his arm off, break the bone, and hike out of the wilderness just to live, just to survive. Now, somebody will do that to stay alive. There's, there's moms that have done crazy things to save their kids and to stay alive. So we understand psychologically people will do anything to survive. It's called our survival instinct. Why does that dissipate? when people commit suicide. It shows that their mind is not even in the right place anymore. It's an oppression of the devil. And so um, my thought on this is that number one, the Bible does not teach suicide as the unpardonable sin. And number two, I don't believe the Bible teaches that if a Christian commits a sin, that they're immediately a sinner again. They've lost their salvation. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that at all. I do believe you need to repent of your sin. Right. But I don't believe... Takes you out of the Lamb's Book of Life. I don't believe that it completely takes you out of the Lamb's Book of Life. So I would have to believe, based on that knowledge, that a person who is a, a believer, who has come to the place where they're not in their proper uh, mode of thinking, they're, they're not in their right mind, who commit, which I do believe is a sin because you're destroying it. it. It is a murder of yourself right. and the temple of God. I, I, I would have to believe that God's mercy and grace is greater than that. And you know me from teaching on this broadcast, I'm not a hyper grace preacher, but I would have to believe God's mercy is greater than that. And um, so that would have to be my answer on that. I wouldn't say that, that, that suicide immediately sends people to hell. That, that would not be my stance on that question. But it's a great question, and I'm sure many people have had it, especially now. There's been so many Christian leaders that have been depressed. Just recently, we saw another pastor take his own life. Two days ago. It's been this week, and it's, it's very sad. Very, very sad to see that happen. Because um, you can't small groups. <laughs> I can't, I can't interpret dreams, Catherine. I'm sorry, I'm not... Just I'm keep not, winning the lost. I'm not Get your a, family saved. Yep. Yeah, I'm not a dream interpreter. I cannot do it unless the Lord speaks to me. Um, <laughs> Tammy's internet keeps dropping. Yes. Amen. I know, Martha, these pastor suicides, it's, it's, no, you know, and I don't want to be judgmental, Martha. She's asking, what are my thoughts on the recent pastor suicides, mental illness, leaders leaving the faith? Um, I think part of it, uh, Martha, to answer your question, is Bible prophecy being fulfilled because the Bible does teach that in the last days, there will be many who the love of many will grow cold and many will fall away from the faith. 
And I think part of that is Bible prophecy being fulfilled that Jesus knew that would take place before Christ returns again. And so some people we see leaving the faith, it's just Bible prophecy being fulfilled. Um, but I would also some say- of it's not being in the anointing. Yes, I was gonna get to that. I think, I think secondly, this departure that we've had in our churches away from the Holy Spirit, yeah. away from the power of God, away from the moving of God, plays a large role in people leaving the faith. Because if you're, if you're in a church that carries no anointing, then you have no power over the devil. You have no power over the attacks that come against your life. And if you just begin to treat church like a social club, you're going to be in trouble. We need the anointing more than we've ever needed it before, ever. I need it. You need it. Uh, I need the power of God in my life. I need it in, in order to just keep me in the place of obedience to God's word. I need the Holy Ghost. And so I, I would blame also leaders who have allowed the Holy Spirit to leave the church yeah. and have not desired his presence and not, have pre not pressed in for his presence. But I'm not vilifying people that have fallen prey to this attack of the enemy. I, I, I know we're responsible for our lives, but at the same time, I blame leaders that have taken us away from the moving of the Holy Ghost. Um, Allison asked, but, if, but Christians think if it's okay to kill themselves when it's too painful to go to heaven, it's dangerous, right? Of course, of course it's dangerous. And that's not what I'm teaching. I'm teaching, and, and I've always taught that you need to get free from depression, anxiety, and, and that oppressive spirit that God gives us freedom through the Holy Ghost. And that's been the majority of my ministry for the last 10 years uh, since the Lord gave me that revelation, teaching on that very thing. And of course, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not giving you like a Christian version of 13 reasons why and saying, hey, if, you're if it's too tough, you won't go to hell, take your life. That's not what I'm preaching at all. I'm preaching, get free from oppression, get free from depression, get free from suicidal thoughts, get the freedom of the Holy Ghost. If you go to a church that doesn't preach Holy Spirit, doesn't preach the power of God, move and go to another church. I'm not preaching it's okay to do it. I'm saying for those that have done it, I don't necessarily believe they end in hell is, uh, is my answer to that. Um, Catherine says, please tell me why some churches teach on generational curses, which I don't believe in either, by the way. And, and we've talked about this at length. Yeah, and no, as a believer, as a, as a Christian, nobody can put a curse on me because God has, you know, covered me <laughs> as a Christian within that. So nobody can just go around cursing people. I don't care what anyone says to you or, you know, whatever. I know you're up there in, was it Yukon, Yukon County, up in Canada. The Catherine's up Yeah, really the Yukon, far, the Yukon territory. So I know, you know, you don't have probably <laughs> many good churches out there and you're doing all that you can by staying on these broadcasts and everything. But whoever was teaching that didn't understand the word of God and what God has redeemed us from and how as a believer, the enemy can't put anything on me. I have all the power. He has no power. Like you have to realize that, that the enemy, the devil has zero power that he can do anything to me. Right. Um, Charlie's asking if a pastor spent 70 years teaching, retires and gets dementia, what does that mean? I don't know what it means. It means he got dementia. It's, it's, you know, I don't judge what people have done, meaning, you know, it doesn't change my view of the Bible. It doesn't change my view of God's power. 
Um, there are Christians that are sick. Does that mean God's not a healer? No. It just means that everybody has to receive God's promises for themselves. Christian asks, my brother-in-law committed suicide a few years ago. How do Christians address mental illness? In addition to praying, is therapy encouraged for those suffering? Um, in the same way that I don't give medical advice to people that are sick, I would never tell anybody to stop taking their medication by faith or any, any of that kind of stuff. I would, I would never do that. I'm not a medical professional. I can't give medical advice. I can give scriptural advice, but I tell, because here's the problem with that. Everyone is at different levels of faith. That's there, why you can't tell somebody. You can't. You can't that. tell someone uh, uh, to stop taking medication or to stop going to therapy. You can't do that. And I don't do it, and neither does Carolyn. But what we do is we encourage people's faith and encourage them to keep pressing into the sure. anointing of God. And teach them. And believe and God to be completely set free. And one of the therapy sessions that I use for my own mental health is that I spend day, time daily praising and thanking God because the Bible teaches that when we praise God, he has given us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's what depression is. It's a spirit of heaviness. And so one of the ways that I uh, stay in therapy for myself daily is that I spend time praising and thanking God for his goodness which is a tool that lifts a spirit of heaviness off of my life. So I'm therapy. I, I'm in therapy on a daily basis. I'm giving myself uh, therapy from the instructions of God's word on a daily basis. And can I tell you, I said this yesterday, it's not that depression, discouragement, or anxiety have never tried to come on my mind. It's that I will not allow it to stay. I continue pressing into the anointing until... Every yeah. attack against my life lifts. And by saying in that atmosphere, it puts a guard up around you. Mm -hmm. I can truly say Ted is never going to go commit suicide ever in this lifetime. Yeah. But I can say that the people who have are not ones that are spending time in the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. They haven't been in, in the word. They're not in prayer. They're not in thanksgiving. They're mm -hmm. not in praise. I mean, that that's something I can truly say. Yeah. That no one that's in that is going to go and then take their life. Absolutely. Um, Hannah asks, who do you both look up to the most? I'd have to really think about I would that. say I would say answer. I would say my father I look up to my father a lot I really um, and I looked up to my grandfather a lot my family I, I really do respect my family a lot uh, my uncles I respect them my cousin I, I respect my family um, more so now than ever because I realize how rare it is for there to be a true legacy and family that that something that God did you know, starting with my grandfather, who was not a Christian, who didn't grow up in necessarily a Christian home, was a rough dude, uh, running alcohol through the hills of West Virginia, moonshine, fighting, drinking, you know, all that. And God gets him delivered, saved, calls him into ministry. He spends 60 plus years in the ministry with he and my grandmother being faithful to God, raising four sons who all became ministers, all their children became ministers. And so I have a great respect for my grandfather and grandmother and a great respect for my father and mother who have been super faithful. I mean, like extremely, when other people would have quit, they never quit. In times where it was extremely rough for them at the beginning of their ministry and, and people could have hung it up and gone to get a secular job, they never quit. 
and my dad has had opportunities to quit through his own, never quit. 40, going into 44 years of full-time ministry and have never quit, never stopped. Seen the miracles, signs, and wonders, even when it's not been popular, when it's closed doors because people are afraid of what the Lord may show him, uh, maybe because there was secret sin in somebody's life, doesn't matter. They never quit, kept pressing, kept building, kept seeing God's goodness, faithfulness, raised children who love the Lord. Uh, that's something to look up to. Yeah. And uh, I'm one of very few people that could probably say that my natural father is also my spiritual father. And that's, that's an amazing thing. I would say, you know, besides my own family, because I come from a good Christian family and I come from wonderful, godly parents, but I didn't come from being raised in the ministry, you know, behind the scenes of the ministry. So I would say someone I greatly look up to is my mother-in-law because she's taught me how to be in the ministry, how to have the love, the grace, you know, to, to walk in patience, to to be a certain way with my kids and, and being able to handle the ministry. So I would say she's someone that I, I look up to and, and have high regard for because she's been able to teach me that you can still hold authority in the ministry as a woman, but you don't have to be a jerk. True. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, yeah. I don't have to be like, you know, also because I am a woman, I've got to, you know, be hard, be hard and, and this and be bossy and everything like that. But I can, I can still have love and grace and compassion and still hold great authority and, and be able to speak. And she's been one of my biggest encouragers from day one. She's never had an idle word to say about me or mm -hmm. to me. She's, you know, one of, besides my own family, she's one of my favorites. <laughs> Matt asks, what would, what's some advice you would give a young minister starting out in evangelism? I would give you several pieces of advice. Number one, fast often and pray every day, at least an hour. Fast often. My cousin Jonathan and I, when, when we had no meetings coming in, nobody was calling us to come preach. We fasted and prayed until doors began to open. Fast and pray. Give yourself fully to it. You know, Elisha the prophet burnt his plows to go be with Elijah, burnt his plows. He was a farmer, but he burnt his plows saying, there's no going back from this now. I've destroyed all my farming equipment. I can't come back to farming. Don't put it in your mind, well, I'm gonna get a secular job and then later hope things open up. No, keep pressing in to yeah. the ministry. Push into it. You didn't, you're not called to be a barista at Starbucks. You're not called to go work at a furniture store. If you're called to the ministry, press in and believe God that things are gonna open up for you fast and pray. Study God's word. As Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved. You should be reading a lot of word, a lot, and listening to teaching daily from men of God that are preaching the full gospel, unadulterated word of God. Listen to it daily. So what's happening to you is you're building yourself up in fasting and prayer. You're building yourself up in the word. You're building yourself up receiving impartation from teaching, and I would encourage you to do this. Seek out impartation. Yeah. That's so massive. Find somebody who's doing what you're called to do at a much higher level and seek out impartation. Get hands laid on you anytime you can from people like that. Get input from them anytime you can like that. And continue to press in. Yeah. And then finally, I would tell you something my dad told me, which is learn how to strongly preach Bible doctrines. Learn how to preach salvation messages. 
Learn how to preach strong salvation messages. Learn how to preach strong divine healing messages. Learn how to preach messages on the coming of Christ, the return of Christ. Learn how to preach messages on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Start there with those four things and learn how, what we would call the foundation of the four square church, salvation, baptism, the Holy Ghost, healing, the return of Christ and learn and become strong. Don't preach weird, trendy things. Don't preach on dream interpretation. Don't preach on, you know, it's just, there's so much weird stuff. Don't, don't preach on a snake spirit, you know, trying to choke out the church. Preach the Bible. Preach those four doctrines as a young evangelist and God will bless you for it. And it'll strengthen you years down the line. And, I, keep, and don't quick, quit, that's final. I like what you said about the impartation because not everyone understands that and we know so many people that just still wanna receive from the mighty men of God that are not alive anymore. But you can't, yes, receive from them and get the revelation that they had, but also follow people that are still alive today. Yep, Christy says, my son who's 15 has wavered in his Christian faith and I've been so saddened by this, but it matters where you go to church and they're receiving more than we think. His dad never goes to church, really ended up taking him to church that he re that he recognized that the pastor was more focused on being politically correct, not offending anyone, preaching straight out of the Bible. I was floored uh, when he recommended, he said, Pastor Merrick, he does, doesn't care if he offends anyone, didn't write the bell. Um, Christy, I don't know if, if you're saying that he is struggling in his Christian faith, meaning he's, he's doubting Christianity or he's doubting in God or whatever. There's a great book uh, that's by Frank Turek. And I think I know it's Frank Turek and, and there's one other author. But anyway, the, the book is entitled, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Get that book for your son. It's a phenomenal book and it'll strengthen his faith. Amen. Thank you for sowing a seed. Uh, Charlie, where do we draw the line with secular music if the Bible says not to be a part of it? Don't listen to it if you're convicted. Don't, don't violate your convictions. If you feel wrong doing it, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, Tammy says, I've been taught that I'm, when I'm praying for something to keep asking until the prayer gets answered. However, I ask, then start thanking God for it from there on out. Should I keep asking until the prayer gets answered? There is debate about this. Smith Wigglesworth said, if you've prayed for anything, if you pray for something four times, you've prayed three times in unbelief, which is an interesting quote. If you've prayed for something four times, you prayed three times in unbelief. The Bible says that we believe we receive when we pray, Mark chapter 11. Verses 22 through 24. We believe we receive when we pray. I like how you do it, Tammy. That you pray and ask and then you thank God that it's done. That's faith. I believe that. And that's how I do it as well. I would encourage people to do it because when you pray, God said he'd answer your prayers. He'd answer your prayers. Yeah. And then some people start getting into the begging aspect. It's moved out of that. Mm -hmm. And then, like it says in James, ask and then don't waver. Yeah, absolutely right. What did Brittany say? I oh, know that wasn't a question. Yeah, she was just saying that we've strengthened her faith and healings manifested supernaturally. We love you, Brittany. Olivia says uh, she's been asked to start a photography team at church. Uh, do you guys have tips for working on building a ministry team? Um, 
Communication is key. Get on some kind of an app where you guys can all communicate like Slack or Trello or something where all of your messages are together. You can, uh, even Planning Center, if your church uses that. Stay in connection. Stay with a good spirit towards everybody. Don't let offense creep in. Don't let, uh, don't you know, respect one another. Walk in love towards one another. The greatest uh, cohesion or, or glue of a ministry team is love. If you stay together and keep attitudes and spirits right, there'll be chemistry to do what God's called you to do with no problem. But don't allow clickiness or offense, all that stuff to get in. And then stay faithful. Allow faithfulness to be what drives all of you. Catherine says, why we have some would call bad luck or getting sick because of past generations like some practicing witchcrafts. Um, she's adding on to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. You know, if you're serving the Lord, that's the key. If you're serving the Lord, you know, you're not practicing witchcraft. I, I say for Christian, I'm not saying generational curses don't exist. I'm saying they don't exist for Christians. Christ broke the curse. Every curse. And, and as fact, Numbers 23, the Bible says that no one can curse what God's blessed. And God has blessed you as a believer. Who can curse you? Who can curse you? Thank you, Brad and Shiloh, for sowing the seed. I'm only thanking Shiloh. I didn't see Brad. Oh, yeah. Um, just Shiloh gets just thanked. Shiloh. That's out of her account. <laughs> what is this face that Good World gives? That's hilarious. I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Um, These weird emojis. It is true. Chi Chi. Okay, it is, it is rare. Um, is there anything in the word that doesn't clearly define God's character and nature? So we must conclude that God is sovereign. Or will everything reveal his true character and nature and we just have to keep seeking it? Um, let me read that again. Is there anything in the word that doesn't clearly define God's character and nature? So we must conclude that God is sovereign or will everything reveal his true character and nature and we just have to keep seeking it? Um, I'm guessing that you're, you're, you're asking that question in regards to receiving some of the promises of God, Mackenzie. Uh, like for example, healing or something like that. And people, people thinking God's sovereign and who he chooses to heal and why some Christians remain sick or whatever that is. And, you know, we don't, we just don't understand. Um, maybe God is just sovereignly choosing to bless some and not others. The, the Bible uh, is pretty clear about those things, redemptive things uh, that Christ already paid for, that God already gave us. Um, so in the, in the sovereignty that some define it as, as far as, as reformed believers, define sovereignty. I don't believe in sovereignty in that way, that God is, is just picking and choosing who he will bless and who he won't. I don't believe that. Um, I do believe Jesus came for all. I do believe he died for all. I do believe his blood was for all. And that faith is the element that receives from God. So I don't believe in sovereignty in that same exact way. In fact, if you want to talk about predestination and sovereignty, there's only actually one subject in the Bible that that is ever referred to, and that's salvation. No other thing in the Bible ever was connected with predestination or sovereignty. For example, nobody was ever predestined to be healed. That's not found in the Bible. And um, uh, J. Do not J. Dwight Pentecost, but um, oh, I have to remember his name. Uh, J Dr. J. Rodman Williams makes a great point in his book um, on uh, renewal theology on, on that point that Predestination and sovereignty is only mentioned by Paul regarding salvation and never any anything else. Never anything else. But it's a great question. 
welcome from from Africa. Um, how important is it that, that you and your spouse have the same spiritual father covering? Is it a bad thing if you have different spiritual coverings? I think that that would be a weird thing, Chi Chi. I think, I think it would bring a little bit of division in a way. I, I you know, uh, I, I think you'd have to kind of elaborate on that, but obviously where you go to church is important. And, um, you know, your husband and you attending the same church obviously is very important. Um, you, you may receive from different people. You know, Carolyn receives from people that I don't necessarily receive from the same way. She enjoys listening to certain ministers uh, that stir her spirit that I don't necessarily listen to, that don't really stir my spirit in the same way. But then I have ministers that I like to listen <laughs> not to. Not that, that they're bad. Or no, 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 they're not bad. Correct. It's just that the way they minister or stuff doesn't really minister to me as much as it does to her. <laughs> and then they're saying the same thing on my side. So we both were listening to ministers that preach the, the full gospel. It's just that styles sometimes or what they're saying applies different indifferently. But I think you should be under the same, as much unity as you can get into, I would say get into as much unity as possible. Balance in the church, Brittany's asking about. Goofy stuff. People that love the Lord and are anointed. Um, you know, churches are afraid to crack down on that stuff because they think they'll lose people. But you need to be able to keep order in a service. Paul had to do it. And what I've learned is that people who are, it's the Holy Spirit, like a reaction that you're doing based on the Holy Spirit. He never has you do anything um that's crazy i don't mean like crazy faith i mean he doesn't have you do anything where it's going to draw a flesh Distra attention and to distract from what he's doing and distract from what the minister's doing or distract from say there's a move at the spirit at the altar you know it's one thing if somebody is being delivered and sometimes people may yell or whatever because there's like an oppression you know or or something being delivered coming out of them but i mean as far as like stuff that you know you can just tell like when you're around it you can just be like that is completely flesh the holy spirit is not making you act like some crazy person drawing all attention doing push-ups on the floor crunches and yelling you know <laughs> the god card <laughs> it's like that is not the Holy Spirit. He does not make us look foolish. If someone's <laughs> looking foolish and it's a flesh foolish, then you know that it's not the Holy Spirit. And you know what else is crazy too is uh, Brittany, Brittany saying, example, I know you all talk about praise flags and stuff like that. It's very interesting to me when somebody's doing something like that and even the, the most, the smallest amount of correction comes to them. If they get offended and all bent out of shape because you told them to put their praise flags away, that shows you right there that they were not in the spirit and attitude of God at the beginning, at the in the first place. If, if you're so in the spirit, giving all your praise through flags and dance with your spandex outfit, and somebody gives you even the smallest amount of correction, and you get offended and storm out, it just is a proof you were not in the spirit of God to begin with. Because if you were, you would have said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was being a distraction. You know, even we've had people ask, you know, if you're going to wave your flags around, please do it in the back of the sanctuary where not, it's not uh, distracting every other person in the sanctuary with your glittery homemade flags and your bright orange spandex outfit that hasn't been washed in three weeks doesn't distract. <laughs> and when they get offended, and we don't obviously say that to them, but it's like if an usher just asks somebody, could you please do that in the back of the sanctuary? If they pack their stuff up and leave, it shows they weren't in the spirit. It was their flesh. Yeah. They wanted to be seen. You know, they wanted to be seen. 
That's pride, and that's why it's wrong. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, and the devil wants to use pride to destroy and use distraction to destroy what God wants to do in that service. And someone's always going to ruin something. You know what I mean? Someone's going to preach the message of prosperity wrong. Someone's going to preach healing wrong. Someone's going to preach salvation wrong. But that's why we have to know what is right and have discernment in our spirit. Someone's going to be goofy and try to blame it on the Holy Ghost or yep. blame it on this. And we have to be like strong enough in our knowing to be like, mm, no, that was the flesh. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Someone's um, always going to try to outdo and ruin something. But Caitlin, I would sure. say keep praying for Mike. Just let Mike, pray for Mike. You know, pray that God changes the boss, but pray that God gives Mike strength and you know, I just get to the place where I just don't care what people think. And that's that's where you got to be. You let that stuff roll off your back like water off a duck's back. You just don't don't allow it to affect you in any way. Kelly wants to know, do you have any parenting advice for new moms on how to raise a godly, disciplined child? Yes. Besides my own advice, I recommend you getting this book called What the Bible Says About Child Training by Richard. And I really don't know. How to Fugate. Say. Fugate. It, it, it's not spelled like it sounds. F-U-G-A-T-E. And my mother-in-law gave it to me when I first had Maddie. And it's just stuff that has stuck with me to the very end. And, you know, the, the Bible, yes, this book is good. But, but obviously we need to go by what the Word of God says. And as you discipline, every child's going to be different too. I've had to work with three different personalities in our household what works here but there's always ones that will forever be the same ones for all kids and don't ever be afraid to discipline mm -hmm. don't do it out of anger but don't ever be afraid to discipline uh when you say something make sure before you say something that you are going to follow through with it that's yep. something it's been hard to do but it's also slowed me down before I've said something to my kids. But I have made sure my kids know if I say something, it's not that I don't have grace and mercy. There are times where they've been able to redeem themselves and mm -hmm. I've been able to say, okay, I was going to you know, do this. But, but for the most part, keep that word what you say to your kids and don't feel bad for disciplining your kids this society will make you feel bad that you're not supposed to discipline your kids and they're all supposed to be rewarded for every little thing i know you don't have to reward your kid because you told them to do something they need to learn to obey your word without a prize that's true absolutely but true. get that book it really is life-changing i think they have a new edition out right now um but it's what the bible says you can get it on amazon for like 10 or 12 dollars something like that i just sent it to a young lady the other day and it is it, it's a life changer because it goes through different steps in the bible that yes you'll find when reading the bible but it really just helps group it all together for you yeah um, Desiree, I'd say in regards to your husband changing his way, just continue to live in love, obey the word of God, pray for him, and lead by example in that in that area. And I would say also let the Holy Spirit be the fixer. We can't be the fixer. Right. We can't be the nagger. We're not we're not called to fix anything. We're called to live a certain life, to look a certain way mm -hmm. to our husbands, and let love and peace and patience come out of you even at the very hard times true but that kind of stuff softens hard hearts hard men yeah. it softens the heart to want to know i'm being a certain way but your reaction is not what i expect yeah why 
Jake is asking, uh, which podcast did you list off the top 10 books other than the Bible to read this year? Um, could you list those off again or somehow have an accessible list? The podcast you're asking for, Jake, is episode 1845. Um, I believe it was the last episode of 2018. It was, it, it was actually dropped on December the 24th, 2018. And so if you go back on the list in podcasts, it's episode 1845, and uh, it was 13 books to read in 2019, and I'll list them here quickly for you. They're listed in the description of the podcast as well as, as an actual list. Um, it was number one, Exploits and Ministry from David Oedepo. Number two, Soul Winning by T.L. Osborne. Number three, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power by A.A. Allen. Number four, The Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit by Lester Summerall. Number five, The Believer's Authority, Kenneth Hagin. Number six, Prayer That Brings Revival, Dr. Cho. Uh, number seven, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God, Brother Hagin. Number eight, Understanding Divine Direction, Bishop Oyedepo. Uh, number nine, The Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner, Dr. Cho. Number 10, Understanding Financial Prosperity, Bishop Oyedepo. Number 11, Healing the Sick, T.L. Osborne. Number 12, Knowing the Doctrines of the Bible, Meyer Perlman. And number 13, Blood on the Door, which was a shameless plug, but I do really believe in that book strongly. Um, I know it's something God gave me and it's getting ready. We're gonna have it translated into multiple languages. Uh, it, it's, it was a breakthrough book, I, I believe that. And people have given us tons of, uh, tons of testimonies of how it's, how it's opened their eyes to things they never, never knew. What Bible would you recommend for a 10-year-old? The New Living Translation. Yeah, that's what Maddie reads. The New Living Translation. It's Chris, a phenomenal translation of the Bible, by the way. Kristen, I'll send you the one that Maddie reads. Yeah. They make it for boys, too. Yeah. Um, and you might like it, so I'll send it to you. Listen, the New Living Translation, it's a thought-for-thought -thought translation, but it is a phenomenal translation of the Bible. It had over 90 scholars on the uh, translation teams that were working on translation uh, of the Bible. Uh, it, I, it's just, it's one of the best Bible translations in my opinion, especially uh, for this generation. And I know it's not a word for word translation like the ESV or the NASB, but for readability, it is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. It makes the Old Testament read like a novel and, and it's amazing. And it is, it's not a paraphrase. It is a translation done by, like I said, 90 plus uh, scholars. And this is, I think, one of the first Bible translations to have Pentecostals on the board of translation. So I love the New Living Translation and uh, I think it's amazing. Michelle's asking, what do you think about Benny Hinn renouncing the prosperity gospel message? I haven't watched the interview yet. I, I read about it um, on the Christian Post and, and kind of the sum of it that I got is I mean, he actually says it right here. I think it's an offense to the Lord. It's an offense to say, give a thousand dollars. I think it's an offense to the Holy Spirit to place a price on the gospel. I'm done with it. I'll never ask you to give a thousand dollars or because I think the Holy Ghost is just fed up with it. He says, I think it hurts the gospel. So I'm making a statement for the first time in my life. And it says, when they invite me to telethons, I think they will not like me anymore because when you look at the word of God, if you hear one more time, break the back of a debt with a thousand dollars, I'm gonna rebuke them. I think it's buying the gospel. That's buying the blessing. It's grieving the Holy Spirit. If you're not giving because you love Jesus, don't bother giving. 
and he thinks it's become a gimmick. So I think he's getting sick and tired of the whole... Um, I'm going to actually like watch. We, I saved the interview to watch. Yeah, and I read the whole thing about it on um, the Christian Post because my dad had sent it to me the other day. I'm going to save it to watch because I want to know exactly what he said out of his mouth, not the interpretation of a reporter. Um, but I will never renounce the prosperity gospel because it's not a prosperity gospel. It's called the gospel. Right. It's in the Bible. It's There are more scriptures that deal with finances than any other subject in the word of God, including salvation, including love. God cares about the well-being of his children and wants them to overflow and wants them to increase financially. Now, some of the things he's mentioning there are extremes where there have been people that have manipulated others, which is wrong. There have been people that have actually used the word of God for personal gain, which the Bible condemns. However, just you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because some... Same thing with healing. Same thing with salvation. Because there have been people that have manipulated the salvation message doesn't mean you stop preaching salvation. Because there have been people that have misinterpreted and wrongly preached healing, you don't stop preaching healing. And because there have been some that have manipulated and, and, and um, really perverted the prosperity message, doesn't mean you stop preaching prosperity. It's just that there's correction that needs to be brought. So I'm going to listen to the whole thing uh, and everything like that, but I'll never, what did, I'll never renounce the prosperity. Uh, God, Jesus' blood was shed and part of the reason, according to scripture, not according to me, according to scripture, was to destroy poverty. Read 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and read Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. One of the things Jesus purchased with the transaction of his blood was wealth and riches. According to scripture, the Holy Spirit inspired those words. And so it's not lesser. It's not some kind of a greedy message. It's something God said. I didn't say it. God said it. And I believe it. And that settles it. I don't hear nobody in this room. Um, so I'll, I'll watch, but I'm never renouncing it. Um, he asked you to attend that church. Asked me what he thought of attending there and thought it was a great idea. Well, um, I, mean, I, I don't care your... at all. These new churches that play secular music and everything's a show. Yeah. It's, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. Just tell them. Un it's not the, for you. The, the house of God should be reverenced. And don't do stupid stuff like that. Put in secular music. I, I know for a fact of churches that open with ACDC songs, Katy Perry songs. It's a, it's a complete, it's reprehensible. They shouldn't even be churches. Somebody should throw those people off the stage. It's Jesus like, never acted like a sinner to attract the It's the stupidest thing. Never, you look at these churches. He never acted like any of the people it's that dumb. he had to preach to. You know, there was a church that uh, the pastor, there was a guy that was like a drunk in the city. And he said, I want you to come to my church and sit on the front row. And, I, and bought him a six pack of beer and allowed him to, uh, to drink it on the front row while he was preaching. What a stupid thing. Like, how far are you going to go with that? What if someone struggles with lust? You're going to buy them a lap dance while you preach on the front row? You're going to have somebody come in and like, you know, a thong topless and, and like dance on their lap while you're preaching? Is that what you're going to do? It's like the dumbest ideas that people have because they've got no anointing to break the yoke of bondage. They have to come up with the stupidest things. Ticks me off. It's, it's ridiculous. It how about get anointed and learn how to walk in the power of God? Because it's a cop-out. Exactly. Uh, let's see here. We'll come and get a few more before we go. 
These are all great questions. Great questions, guys. Love it. Love it, love it. Yeah, man. That's good. We love Brady. He's anointed. Yeah. New Living Translation. Get it. <clears throat> um, let me see who else. It's coming, Jake. The book is coming. It's just God's given me more content than I know what to do with. Plus, I've been extremely, extremely busy. This year has been insane. It's been insane, but it's coming. And I'm sorry for the delay. I really am. Um, Angela, she wants to know if you can post a picture of the Bible of your daughter. A lot of people want to know the Bible Maddie uses. If you could post a picture on your social media. Okay. We'll post it on Miracle Word page and on her Instagram as well. Let me go here and take a few more before we pray. That's the link. Yeah. The Amazon link that I just put up for the book. A lot of women were asking about that book. Thank you, Rejoice. It's good to see you on today. We could do more, Caitlin, if you want us why, to. Why, Caitlin? Are you saying you're enjoying it or you're <laughs> hating it? Which one is it? Which one is it? Uh, a couple questions came in via text. Let me uh, let me pop those up. Um what does your individual Bible study on a daily basis look like for someone who's looking to be stronger in that? What does your Bible study look like? How do you go about doing it? Like, what, what's your plan? Well, I, I, I just... <laughs> Josh, KJV only. Jesus used the 1611 King James Version. Well, I mean, I wake up at a certain time. I've trained myself to have a certain routine. And then there's sometimes you know, where I feel to go over another book of the Bible that I really want to comb through again. Or there's times where I pray and I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm going to start this. I'm going to read through all the gospels again. I'm going to start here. I'm going to read a certain chapter every day. I mean, it's kind of different. I change it up. I don't do the same thing over and over again. And then if I'm reading a book, I'll just read that anytime throughout the day or when I'm traveling on airplanes, things like that. Because as a, as a stay at home mom, as a teacher with homeschooler kids, you know, my days are different all the time. So I kind of have to fit it in, uh, like book reading, not, you know, I, I do my devotions, everything in the morning, but book reading and stuff based on the, the time I'm allotted. <laughs> you know, that's true. I mean, I mean, it, it is, it's different. But she moms. wakes up early specifically for that purpose to be with the Lord. I used to be really discouraged when I was a new mom. And once again, my mother-in-law helped me out and she was like, listen, do what you can when you can. If all you have to do is get a verse and like focus on that one verse, you know, and get that revelation of it, do that. If you can read at night, you know, because I used to be, I used to see him and be like, I cannot just go away. I can't just go off in a room. I can't just go and do this. If I, you know, who will take care of the baby? The house is going to fall apart. Not me. So I, <laughs> so I, why? You are super hands-on, Dad. Don't act like that. No, but you were saying, like, who's going to take care of the baby? He's like, not me. It's retarded. And, and by that, she means dumb, not actually <laughs> slow as a person. So, you know, you have to do what you can. Just do it. Just do it. I mean, yeah, just do something. Don't, like, not do anything. Just do something. Matt wants to know, how did I know that Carolyn was my wife? She stalked and hounded me and told me over that? and over, I am your wife. I am your wife. No, we knew because I went on a fast. I liked her. I mean, I thought she was hot. I thought she was very hot. Still do. I think she's hotter now than she was back then. But you can't just get with somebody because they're hot. 
Yeah, because that could fade away. That fades, but hasn't faded for you. But it's increased. Hello. But um, <laughs> daddy wants we're not, daddy. We're not at our oh. end of our life yet. But here's the thing. It take a terrible turn for the worst. It, no, it, it will not. It will not take a turn for the worst. You can't get with something because they're hot. You have to know that, that God has a plan for, for you. So on uh, March the 25th, 2005, um, through March the 27th, I fasted and prayed. Good Friday through Easter Sunday, I fasted and prayed. And I said, Lord, here's the deal. If she's the one for me, I want you to let me know by confirmation in my spirit, give me the green light, and then I'll pursue this relationship with everything I have, but I want to know from you first because I'm not going to waste my time getting involved with her if it's not for me, if, it, if it's not your plan for my life. And I fasted and I prayed, and uh, and, and the Lord gave me a confirmation on, on this late Sunday afternoon, March 27th, 2005, and I called her immediately and asked her what she was doing doing that night. She was working when I called her. I said, I'll pick you up as soon as you're done with work. We went on our first date that night. And that night I told her I loved her. I was in love with her. I wanted to marry her, have children with her, minister with her. And she said, I know because she had confirmation from the Holy Ghost too. She knew in her spirit too. And uh, and, and you, I, I, I tell everybody, do things spiritually. Don't do them in the natural. They'll, you'll fail in the natural. Do things by the Spirit of God. Be led by the Spirit of God. And that doesn't mean be goofy. Like the first girl you think is hot, buy her rings and Lord told me you're supposed to be my wife. No, don't and do that. that voice too. <laughs> don't do that. Britt, I'll answer that question for you personally. I'll send you a text message uh, regarding that. For newlyweds, how to be a godly husband wife. Oh, we just worked on that yesterday. <laughs> I love listening, watching your family and your cousin yeah. Jonathan, but your broadcast overlaps his broadcast. Struggles I love to have. <laughs> uh, Especially how, how to take authority as a man of the home when you never had that as an example. Yeah, you just, you, I mean, it might be, it might help at the beginning to just carry around an Indiana Jones whip. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Get in line, everybody. Um, no, it's, it's good. You have to understand your authority. Hopefully your wife is open to understanding the, the delegated authority that Christ has placed in the home. Continue to show Are her you love. Are on your wife's right now? I think you're Krista. on your wife's face. It's for Krista. Uh, unless there's been an <laughs> operation you're here? not telling us about. Um, <laughs> but I, I would say learn to love. We, we've got this... Um, uh, teaching we did last night we did that we're sending out soon um my wife and i but one of the things we've pressed hard on is show love prefer the other above yourself it's not hard for a wife to submit to a husband that loves her unconditionally and prefers her above himself it's easy to submit to that so establish your authority by your love and you said learn how to take authority of a man you can help him by not overriding him as he's learning this, as your newlyweds, you might be a strong personality, but you're going to have to learn to hold some words back in your mouth. That's true. It's true. I mean, like, I, I don't, know, back last I don't night. know how you are that if... Probably three times. Three words? No, no. Three, three different... <laughs> I had come up with three different phrases. Then I rephrased it. And then I thought to myself, no. And then I rephrased it again. I was like, no, it's not worth even saying. Then I rephrased it one more time. When I was like, this? I guess I'm really, like, whatever. Did you ever I was like, say no. it? No, I never did say it. When was this? Around Yesterday. what time? I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't tell you. But I, I, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better as a husband. My See, God. There. You have to make sure you hold it in. 
But don't hold it into the that's whole, called the like, fruit of the no spirit. communication crap. And then you're, like, bitter and the yeah, guy doesn't do even know no, what. We, we, He's like, what? He's like, where did this come from? And it's, like, been stewing in your mind for three days. Yeah, no, I don't do that. <laughs> I just learn to keep my, I, I keep my comments, especially if they're cutting or biting. Um, my kids will never date. So. Yeah, that's right, Allison. No, I'm Our kids kidding. will wait until they're 35. How about that? Oh, my kids pretty... will never get married. No, I understand. No, nope, I don't I know, understand. I don't understand. I know understand. what it is to fall in love I with the right one. I don't understand. Nope. My kids can but love me. But it is going to be a while. My, my girls kids can are love not, me. We do not push anything on our children right now with, ooh, he's cute. Or mm-hmm. believe mm-hmm. me, when we go to churches and people Daddy, come to me. Daddy, his boyfriend. And they say... Oh, are you guys having an arranged marriage? No. Because other pastor people, <laughs> pastor people, or other leaders not of the happening. church like to say things like that, and I shut it down with the quickness. It is not happening. But you know what? My kids don't look at other kids, uh, the opposite Children sex, that it. way because we don't do that. You know what I mean? We never point out like, "Ooh, this person's cute," if or anything count. like that. We don't make those things known, and so therefore, our kids children dating is insane i mean it's young teenagers dating what do they know can't even children no, that, her, she wrote children dating children on your children dating oh, oh, oh sorry i missed the <laughs> britney's not a weirdo <laughs> oh, i was like children i had the cursor over the your and i was looking at her oh, children dating. i was like children dating she's insane no uh, no we're not angela i'm not britney sure said yet. do you think dating's even right do you think dating's even right well, I mean, at some point, how are you I and I going to ever get married? Good morning, Ted. Love you. I don't. Yeah, no. I. I, I mean, dating has to happen at some point. I will say this. Th- well, no. I, I will say this yes. though. I'll say it's better a lot of times to do things in a group than it is alone. There's so much temptation oh, yeah. alone. You ease into that part, but I'm saying like, you know, you know, courting. You let your kids court first. They I have to be word. at your house. It feels like I'm watching Anne of Green Gables when I hear that word. Um, no, but like, I, don't you think groups are better? It, it puts less pressure on you, less oh, pressure on always me. Always do groups. You know, and like, always I don't have to always. Around. You never, ever, ever let them hang out in a bedroom. I don't care how many doors the bedroom has and the doors are open. Never. No, never. <laughs> My, no, it'll never happen. It's downstairs in the living room on a couch and... With dad going like this, cleaning his gun. And no one's hanging out under blanket. Oh, give it, me a break. No, it ain't Give happening. me a break. I will kill a dude. I'll <laughs> yeah. kill a dude. I don't really know whoever is going to get to date our children. Let me just tell you something. I have guns and knives and I'm willing to use them. Jail time is nothing to me. Means nothing at all to me. Brittany, you just sound like Little House on the Prairie because I like the older stuff too. <laughs> I'll, ki- I'll kill a dude. I'm just telling you right now, my daughter's nine and the other one's five, going to be six. I'll point Ask that... Ask for forgiveness later. I'll point that barrel right... <laughs> I've been cleaning this shotgun. Look down this barrel and tell me if it looks clean to you, young man. Does it look clean to you? Does that barrel look clean to you? <laughs> I'm telling you, don't get me started. I'm going to take somebody out. Um, my husband says for every year that passes and my daughters get older, he buys a gun. I'm telling you, don't be messing around. No, yeah, it's going to be hard for oh, dating in uh, our family. It's going to be very hard. It's going to be pert near but impossible. But it's nothing I will ever push <laughs> on our kids. Never make aware. Give never think they're, you know, I think some parents feel like, oh, does, you know, 
these people find my kid attractive? You know, people think like that. Like, are they ever? And it's like, don't push that. There is somebody out there that God's created so you guys can have a wonderful marriage. Nobody needs to be pushing or encouraging or thinking it's okay. I got parents that say, oh, well, I know. I know it's just, it's not going to last. I have parents say that. They're like teenagers. They say, it's not going to last. They're not in love. Okay, then why are you letting them Yeah, what are you messing around with? What are you, why would, even if nothing happens physically with them, you're now opening your child's heart to break, to heartbreak, to soul ties, to these feelings that they don't need to know at that moment. Yeah, so absolutely. It, even if it has nothing to do with any kind of sexual sin, it, it, it opens them to stuff as little as that that they don't need to be involved in. Don't need to be involved in. John Randall, I joined at the wrong part of this. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Here's another question for you. How do you teach your kids to study or read the Bible? Do you do it together? How do you encourage that? Um, It would would be good to to talk about that. Okay, so I I do both. I have devotional books that I'll do with Maddie, um, and one's for the age for Brooklyn, and Pretty much we've given instruction to Maddie now that she's nine. She's been doing it for like a couple years now. But now that she was at the point of reading and reading well, I know that, you know, there's bigger words in the Bible. So once she really got reading well, she was told as a requirement, you know, and at first not all kids jump on it and they find it so exciting you know what i mean yeah, like it, yeah, yeah. don't be discouraged that like your kid wants nothing to do with the lord because you're constantly reminding them you need to read your bible you didn't read it yet you know but keep doing it they're it's going to seep into their spirit it's gonna catch on and as they get older and they understand more things you know maddie will read proverbs and be like well what is what does this mean, mom? And yeah. what is that word? And so it gives me an opportunity to sit there and we'll go verse by verse and explain what that means or how you're not supposed to act. And so just encourage them, but make them do it. We will make our kids do everything else. We make them participate in a sport because we know it's activity and it looks good on their resume. We make them do all these extracurricular activities because it looks good on their school resume. We make them do chores at home because we're teaching them, you know, (laughs) how to handle things or what to do around the house or responsibility. But we don't ever really make them, you know, we'll make them read books for school. Well, it's a school requirement. We're going to have a book report. But, you know, the end of the day what's most important is them getting the word of god so just like you would make a requirement on something else we make it a requirement for her to read her bible before she does anything else and as even though she does it every day there are some mornings that i've got to say maddie did you do this yet and she'll say oh no i didn't you know and then she goes off and does it and then you know i have her read to me at times i'll change it up and say maddie read me what you're reading you know, so we can go over this or sometimes reading out loud helps people. They get it a little bit better. Um, but always make your kids do it. Don't don't feel like you're making them in a bad way. Right. But we require so much of our kids for so 
many other things that don't have an eternal reward, yeah. we need to make it important that that's a requirement. Let me say this before we pray for you guys today. And we are going to pop this uh, Q&A session on the podcast, by the way, for you guys to listen later or listen to the whole thing again whenever you want. Um, but I want to say this. I don't think there's anything wrong with bribing your kids to read books and read the Bible um, at all because it it teaches a system of reward, which is how God operates, by the way. Uh, Hebrews 11.6, the Bible says that um, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that he exists. And the second thing they have to believe, that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So God's saying, if you will seek me diligently, I'll give you a reward. If you'll do this, I'll give you a reward. If you'll do this, I'll give you a reward. My uncle Tiff told my cousin Jonathan and my, my cousin Jessica, if you will read the Bible every day from the time you can read on through the end of high school, if you'll read the Bible every day and read the Bible every year, I'll buy you both a car when you graduate high school. That was, that was his reward because he understood the importance of getting the word into his children every single day. If you'll read the Bible every single day and read the Bible every year until you graduate high school, I'll buy you a car when you get out of school. Dr. Gene Lingerfeld, I was talking to him. He had a PDF printed, a sheet of uh, the not only the Bible, but books written by men of God and leadership books that he had for his children. And basically, same thing, had a reward system set up for them. If you'll read all these books and give me a report on what you learned, I'll do this for you. And he told me, he told me plainly, I have no problem uh, rewarding my kids for reading those things. That's eternal knowledge that'll go into them for the rest of their life and change the way they live their lives. And so I, I have no issue with that. I'm going to do the same with my kids because I want them reading. I want them uh, ingesting knowledge. I want them to be developing. So I, it's how God operates. You know, David didn't even kill Goliath until he found out what's to be done for the man that kills this giant. He didn't do it just out of pure, because he was a zealot. He said, tell me the reward I'm going to get if I kill this giant. What's going to happen for me? Reward is how God operates. And so um, I, I believe in that and I have no so problem with it. Too. Yep, as, we should as too. Parents. Don't have any say, well, she had to bribe her kids to read the Bible. No, nothing wrong with that. There should be a reward for taking right actions, right? There should be a reward for taking right actions. If you do this, you'll get this. If you do this, it's how life works. But that's what I'm saying. You'll pay them to do chores. Right. You're paying them. Exactly. To, to do what you've asked them to do. Exactly. And here's their reward. That's exactly it. Let's pray. Carol, I want you, if you would, to pray for people. Uh, we've gotten a lot of questions on family today. So I want you to pray for mothers and fathers that are raising their children. I want you to pray for husbands and wives that are um, believing for even better relationship. And then I'm going to pray for those of you today. We've had people ask about the anointing and their families being in the healing anointing, in their body. healing in their body. So let's pray. And you start with families, if you would. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for each and every person watching or watching on the replay. Thank you, Lord, that their hunger for a good marriage, 
Father God, I pray that you step in, that you give them the wisdom and the right things to say, Father God. Love and peace will go into their home. Thank you, Lord, for each and every mom that's watching, that you give them strength. You've anointed them to do this job. Mm -hmm. You've anointed them to be a wife, to be a mom, to be a woman of God. Father God, it says in Hannah's prayer that you've given us, mm -hmm. you've given us the answer for our enemies Amen. and you've made us strong. Amen. So thank you, Jesus, that as we raise our kids to be giant killers, that you've given us the answer, that you've yes. given us peace and love to take on each situation I know, Father God, that each child is different, but you've given us the ability to receive instruction from you yes. on how to raise each one of our children in the things of God. Thank you, Lord. So, Father God, I thank you that if any children that are battling sickness right now, that you've given the parents wisdom, that you've given them full of faith, Father God, that yes. their compassion is not overriding their faith, but their faith stays strong, that I send complete healing to each and every child, that they are made whole in the mighty name of yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, that you haven't, you know, told us that this is how we're supposed to be as a family without giving us the tools and equipping us to do it right. Amen. Father, I pray for every person battling sickness in their body. We take authority over it in the mighty name of Jesus. I rebuke it in the name that's above every name. I command it to leave your body in Jesus' name. Lord, let the anointing of your spirit. Touch every family, touch every husband and wife, every child. Cover their homes in your peace and your joy. We thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. We bless you and give you thanks and praise. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.